Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a good friend of mine, a man who by day works as director of advertising and conversion at an ad agency called Steam Companies to help people optimize their websites and dramatically and quickly grow their businesses. And then by night, he runs a mastermind group called Luminary Dinners, where he brings together people who are passionate about what they do, have achieved, and um, are looking to share their expertise to inspire and influence others to succeed. Todd got his start in the online slash e-commerce world when he started and ran a successful business selling car accessories. Using conversion optimization, multi-channel marketing, marketing automation, he's generated millions of dollars in revenue for his clients in the areas of direct response, e-commerce, fitness, medical, real estate, finance, and a ton more. He's also been a really supportive friend and ally to me. He's also one of the most determined people you've ever meet. And I've asked him to join me today to help me help you, the listener, to be more successful with your online marketing strategies. So, Todd, man, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been way too long. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Daryl, I'm great. That was a wonderful intro. I'm, I'm blushing on the other end of the phone line. <laughs> man, it's true. And, yeah, I mean, we've known each other, I'd say, what, almost two years now. And you, especially just every time we talk, it's always been it's always been enlightening and it's always been really helpful. And you're just a great guy. So, um yeah, it's, I couldn't say it if it wasn't true about you, right? So um, it's just it is what it is. <laughs> good stuff, man. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to connect and be on the show and offer some advice and uh, lessons learned to you and anyone who's listening. That's awesome. So maybe we can start at the beginning because, you know, right now you work with some really big clients and, you know, we've just talked about how powerful an asset it can be the skill set to people listening to this call might be developing right now because they're even interested in this because in the corporate world, the offline world, a lot of people don't have that passion and interest. And so you really stand out when you take these skill sets and you try to help them. And so you've been having some major wins. You've, you know, generated millions of dollars, but it didn't start off that way. So how did you even get started and interested in this to begin with? Uh, you know, my story is kind of funny. So it actually started, you know, people say, oh, a light bulb went off in my head. I actually invented a light bulb. <laughs> like literally invented a light bulb. And it was for the automotive industry. And I invented this little product. And it was basically just a yellow light bulb with a chrome coating on it. And that doesn't seem that incredible. But what it was is it went in your lenses of your car and it was basically invisible when it was off, but it would light up yellow when it was on. So this is way before LED lights were around. And, and I bought, this is way back, about a decade ago, I bought my first BMW and I got all these fancy lenses and I invented this little light bulb to remove that tiny little blemish in, in the car lens. And uh, it was my first experience in product development and packaging and trademark and import, export. I and mean, it was everything all wrapped into one. And what happened was I had this, uh, finally, uh, I had this product that was getting pretty close and um, I had decided like to turn it into a business. I needed needed some real money to build a website and order a lot of inventory and, and I was kind of out of funds. And funny enough, at the same time, I was on the old show that you probably know, uh, even being in Canada, was Fear Factor. Uh-huh. I know Fear Factor. Totally yeah. just... 
luck of the draw and chance that I got on that show. Um, <laughs> but it sort of speaks to my my determination, mindset, and my my knack for solving puzzles and challenges in kind of an interesting and different way. So I went on the show and I won the show. Uh, so I won fifty thousand dollars. I went back for the championship episode and I won that too. So I took all that money. I, I sold the car that I won on the show and I uh, pocketed that money and I finished up this little light bulb product and launched my first e-commerce website. Um, and then very quickly realized that having a website and a product does you absolutely no good unless you know how to market <laughs> and drive traffic and convert traffic. And I knew nothing about any of that. <laughs> so, so that was my, that was my start. You know, I kind of dipped my toe in the water and lost this little, it was a Yahoo store. That's how old this was. Whoa. And, you know, I was literally selling like two or three pairs of these light bulbs a week, you know, and it was more of a hindrance than you know, like a, uh, a business at that point. Right. Um, right, right. But so I started really just diving in and learning about marketing. And uh, I discovered I was even more passionate about marketing than I was about, you know, product development. And what I was actually doing at the time was uh, film. I was a visual effects animator and producer at the time. That's awesome, man. That's crazy. So, and that is probably a path that a lot of people listening to this can resonate with because that's so many people. They go through those, they jump through those hoops. I mean, you came into a lot of money, use that money to make an incredible product to develop everything you thought you needed. And then you realize that you, what you really needed most was the marketing. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Or cause what is, what's your philosophy on that? Cause having been someone who built the product first, do you think it's more important to establish your marketing first or like, what do you say when people ask what, what should come first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think um, you, you need both the chicken and the egg, right? So <laughs> you can't do just one. You can't just right. have a product and you can't just do marketing. So, But if you just have a product, you better know someone who can help you market it, right? And if you just do the marketing, you better know someone who has great products that you can market. So uh, I think they go hand in hand. Um, but to your point, I think a lot of people do start with a product or an idea for, you know, a company or a service. And if they have the bug that you and I have, you quickly start learning that your passion is really in the marketing and it's in satisfying the customers. And really at the end of the day, like for me, I don't, I don't really focus on the widget, right? I mean, I could be selling toilet paper, um, and have, you know, equally an interesting amount of time by finding unique ways to present that and the perfect customer and the perfect marketing strategy. But that's what really has me captivated right now. Um, so you can use that in all different industries, all different products. And as long as you can find a product that you are proud of and you know does good out in the world, um, for me, I think focusing on the marketing is the fun part. Well, at least from like a, from a role in the company perspective, you know, the person who can bring sales through the door in larger volumes than anyone else in the company is the equivalent of the franchise player in sports, right? If you work for a company yep. and you're on the team and you're helping make that phone ring with orders, whoever makes the phone ring the hardest, the longest, right, with the most customers, that they're the franchise player. They're, they're you know, so they're the leaders. So. From that perspective, yeah. the marketing, you know, when, when you're trying to grow your own company, that's where a lot of people fall into it. Now, where I think some people get into a trap is if they're not marketing minded and they have no interest in it, you know, I think it's really true that you need to play to your skill set. And so one of the things that at least one of my mentors taught me is he said that really for any business to survive, you need three people, three key people. You need a product person person has to love and adore the product and what like just everything want the best material like you know they have to be in love with making this product the you know the world class you don't have to necessarily yep. be the rolls royce provider you can be the dollar store provider if you want but has someone has to know the product industry intimately and then the next person needs an operations and finance person someone who's going to do all the hr all the penny counting all the checklist kind of stuff that that strict kind of stopwatch books, counting pennies type of person. And then the third person that you need is the marketing person. And it cannot be the same person. If, if you have one person playing all three of those roles in your company, then you're not going to go very far because you have to, ha it's almost like the specialization thing, jack of all trades, master of none. So I like that. Yep. Like you were right. You do need the product and you need the marketing 
but at the end of the day, you actually need, you know, all three things. But if you're looking at it, maybe you're trying to decide your career path or you're trying to decide what tasks to focus on your business. I think maybe we unanimously, unanimously agree the most profitable thing you can do in your business is the marketing. Is that correct? It's a leading question. Yeah, so agree 100%. Agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100% with what you just said there. And, you know, a lot of times when you start your business, you do have to wear all three of those hats. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's important to find which which hat fits you and suits you the best and then really develop that into just a, a really core strength, something you can master. And so obviously this marketing is one of your core strengths. So what would you say are some of the like the, the fundamental key principles for like what you do? Um, you know, one thing – I, I was, like I said, I was self-taught a lot of things, whether for, for better or for worse, I decided to kind of go that path. And I think looking back, I probably spent a lot of, I probably wasted a lot of time trying to do too many things at once, right? And it's sort of where I've, where I've led to in my career is focus on the bottleneck, Right you don't have to do everything at full speed at the same time, right? Because your, your business or your product or whatever you're, you're launching is really only as good as the weakest link. So if you have a traffic problem, you should maniacally focus on your traffic problem, right? Let the other stuff go for a little bit. Um, and I think in my career, I tried to do everything all at once and I would do everything poorly as opposed to one thing really well for enough time to get some speed and some leverage there. So looking back, I think that's a really important lesson that I learned about marketing is uh, figure out where your bottleneck is and, and really just drill down and focus on that until you've made major improvements there. And then you can move on to whatever the next bottleneck is. So that's a huge tip right there. You're talking about the theory of constraints, correct? Correct. Are you familiar with that? The theory of I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. Like, it's, sorry, go ahead. I'm familiar with it on a very, very broad level, but I don't know the like actual definition or. Textbook. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, no. There's a there's a great book called The Goal, and the concept of the whole book. It's a guy helping with <laughs> a factory that has assembly lines and processes, and obviously they have receivables, the raw materials they have to ship, and they've got waste and staff. And the guy, the, the company was really failing, and, and the whole way they solved it was, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised you don't know this, because that's basically exactly what you just described. That If there was a magic bullet that fixed everything for this, this manufacturing company that was on its way to bankruptcy, it was meticulously, this guy started focusing on bottleneck after bottleneck after bottleneck, trying to identify the biggest ones first. And through that, and it's the whole kind of 80-20 thing, he had such great leverage in his actions. They turned the company around. They crushed all their competition, and that's and that's why they wrote the book. And it, the book's called The Goal, and it's based on the theory of constraints, which is that your highest impact activity will always be your biggest bottleneck, to focus on your biggest bottleneck, because everywhere else you have flow through. I, yep, I love that. And I have heard of that book. I don't know. Do you remember who, who the author is? Um, oh, I can look that up while we talk. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge thing because here's, and here's the reason why, if anyone's not sure about that, and, and just to add to the brilliance of what you suggested, excuse me, um, it's Elia Goldrat, Eli, 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 Elihu, Elihu Goldrat, E-L-I-Y-A-H-U. So if you're just putting the goal, Goldrat, G-O-L-D-R-A-T-T, I'm sure it'll come up with him. But here's the reason for why that's such a brilliant strategy to take, and that's because say you've got a three-step process. We're just going to use it as, as an example, right? And your business could be anything. could be mm-hmm. how you guys make coffee, right? could be whatever, who brings in the mail. But it's a three-step process. And the first step has a capacity of six. The second step is your bottleneck has a capacity of two. And then the third step is has a capacity of ten. You could try to expand on the 6 and on the 10, but it doesn't matter because only 2 is getting through. So the, you know what I mean? So trying to take the, the, the yep. third step from 10 to 12 has such a small impact on the flow through of, 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 of actual results in your business. So by doing exactly what you said, Todd, which 
I'm saying I'm verbose, but you said it very succinctly <laughs> and that's just focus on the bottleneck. I love, and this is why I'm expanding out because when you said that, it just light bulb went off for me. Cause it's one of those things that, you know, obviously I can talk about, it, but it's one of those beautiful things to be reminded of that nothing will improve your business and the results that you're getting other than focusing on the bottlenecks, as you just said. So the show's over. We're done. That's it. We can hang up. And... <laughs> that's, it. That's, that's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it's one of those things that once you learn, you just kind of get, but until you get, you know, until you bang your head against the wall enough times as an entrepreneur trying to do everything all at once. I mean, at least that was my path. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, literally, I don't even know how many days or even like I shudder to think years <laughs> wasted uh, working on those things that were at tank capacity when I should have been working on the tubes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is really sort of, I love leverage. And when you said 80, 20 principle, I got all excited, right? Like I love <laughs> 80, 20 principle. It's really the same, you know, kind of the same thing. What are the critical few things you can focus on to make the biggest difference? Mm-hmm. And that's why I was really drawn towards what I do now, which is conversion optimization. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, people, when they look at conversion optimization, they, they start thinking of, okay, well, I'm going to change everything on my site and I'm going to fix everything. And that's not it. Uh, it's really about finding where that biggest bottleneck is and just smashing <laughs> smashing that bottleneck to pieces and opening up the flow, whether it's, you know, your homepage or your checkout or, uh, you know, your lead gen forms, whatever that may be, that will mm-hmm. radically change the business. And then, just like you said in the book, then you move on to the next constraint that is now the uh, – the top constraint. So let's let's bring this into some actionable stuff that for people on the call, they're like, dude, I am so on board with this. You guys have already proven how brilliant Todd obviously is. So Todd, what are like in a typical funnel, like when you get a client, what are the kind of the milestones or benchmarks that you look for right off the bat when you guys start to work with someone? Yeah. So, okay. So there's sort of two schools of thought to this, right? And I will, I'll tell you both. One is, you know, if you have experience like I do in this thing, you can go and you can look at the page, you can look at analytics, and you can kind of guess, and you can kind of do best practice things to your site and to your messaging that, that will have a better chance of working than others, right? However, I am, I am strongly in the field of research first. You're, like, it is always shocking what you find out when you actually take the time to do the research rather than just do best practice stuff because you heard, oh, well, testimonials really work or, you know, having two, having a, a secondary call to action helps with people filling out a form, right? So um, the, the two schools of thought are best practice or scientific research and data-driven decisions, right? So I'm strongly in the science side, um, and by that, I can, I can break it down into some simple actions. So the entire science of conversion optimization and how to get people to do what you want, which is usually give you their email address or buy something, mm-hmm. is find out without a doubt why they aren't doing what you want and then fix it. Right? Most people assume they know why people aren't doing what they want, and then they make a hypothesis of how to fix something that they don't even really know is the problem. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. I mean, cause they're just, they're putting, they're giving, they're trying to give, they're trying to choose someone's test score answer for them. I think is it. Like, exactly. They're trying to figure out, Oh, they're assuming. So how, how do you find out? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what? Yeah, that's a great question. No, that's at the end of the podcast. We'll do that next time. No, how you find out? Okay, so I have there's there's two types of data you want to collect. You want to collect qualitative data and quantitative data. And qualitative is like open ended with me talking to you and asking you literally if I was a store owner, let's say, asking you, oh, I saw you come in today and you left the store. Can you just tell me real quickly why you left without making a purchase? Right, it's that simple. And then you would tell me in your words, an open-ended qualitative answer to that question, right? So I would, by asking an open-ended question like that, I would find out the why, why you left without buying, right? The other important piece of the puzzle is quantitative data, right? So if I was just measuring people walking into my store and people walking out, I would see you come in, I would see you go out, I would check a box that said person one came in and left without making a purchase, right? So... The, the, the quantitative data, there's two ways, two primary ways to get that. 
and that's with Google Analytics or any site analytics, but Google Analytics is the primary one. Um, and then two, which is, which is really valuable. I'm just doing four for, for this call. There's a lot, but here's the two primaries. So Google Analytics and then heat maps. And heat mapping tools are really, really cool. And if people who are listening don't have a heat mapping tool on their site, I would recommend you go set one up right away. It's super easy. Uh, there's some that are just WordPress extensions. The company I would recommend has a free plan. It's called Hotjar. Yeah, I was going to Hotjar.com. They're, they're awesome. It's a great, that's a great tool. So I don't know when you're listening to this call, but um, I was so impressed because you really do, for the price you pay, you get, I mean, I remember, I remember what, like even five, four or five years ago, like one of those features that you get with Hotjar was 300 plus a month on its own and for yeah. Hotjar, it's like it's like yep. 20 bucks or something and you get like seven different things it's it's insane so no it's that's a that's a great company yeah yeah it's, it's amazing it's actually also like kind of david darman who's a friend of mine who used to work with me at conversion rate experts what? which is in the uk that's awesome yeah he's yeah so he really really knows his stuff he doesn't just know how to build tools but he knows conversion optimization like crazy so that's why it's such a strong company hmm. Cool. So, right. So to find out how we want to get qualitative and quantitative data. So we want to have numbers and then we want to have emotions, thoughts, feelings, and syntax. And then we're going to use tools like Google Analytics and Hotjar to get heat maps and visitor data um, so we can try to analyze it and figure out what people are doing. Is that correct? That is correct. So do you want me to do you want me to just continue and give a few more actionable yeah, steps to do yeah, these yeah, yeah. four please, categories? Please. Okay. I'm, I'm taking okay. a Okay, so notes, one so. is Okay, good. So one is the heat map, right? So you want two types of heat map. You want a click map, which is where they're clicking. It's called a confetti map or click map. Um, and then you want a scroll map, right? So the scroll map, if you have a page that's, you know, 17 screens long, it's really important to know how far down the page your visitors are scrolling. And most people know this from above the fold and below the fold, which is what you see when the page loads versus everything else. Um, but a heat map will actually put, like, a thermal map on your site that shows you how far down people are scrolling. And chances are there's a huge percentage of your visitors that never even see, you know, the content that's off the screen when the page first loads. So those two tools will be pretty, pretty eye-opening. Um, and both of those are available with Hotjar, which is pretty cool. That's and awesome. then for the qualitative stuff, um, or sorry, let me move on to the, the analytics, right? So Google Analytics is a beast, right? There's so much in there. Um, but here's just kind of a theory that will help you look at analytics and not get overwhelmed, right? So there's a few reports that you should go to. Um, one would be exit page, right? So if you go to your exit page report, and Google makes it really easy to find it. There's just a search box. You can just type exit, right? It'll show you a report of your exit pages. You're not trying to understand every single piece of data on your site. It's impossible. There's too much. What you're looking for is oddball numbers. So you're looking for outliers, something that's either abnormally high or abnormally low, right? So let's say you have a, let's say it's an exit page report and you see one of your pages, like average is, you know, down in the teens, right? But you have a certain page that the exit rate is 70%, right? It basically means a huge amount of people when they get to the page are leaving your site. It tips you off that something is not on that page that they're looking for, or something may even be offensive to them, right? So you're looking for those outliers, right? Conversely, if you see a page that's abnormally lower than everything else, there's something good on there that's keeping them on the site, right? Again, you're not looking for every single page, every single piece of data. You're just looking for the the biggest area of opportunity. And in analytics, you can see the worst the worst area. In the best area, and you model the things that are on your best page and put them on your other pages, and you figure out what's wrong with your worst page. I love that. I love that. Guys, if you're listening to this, you may want to hit repeat and listen to that again <laughs> because this, yeah, Todd's dropping, he's dropping bombs right now. And if I hope you're catching this stuff because it's. And just another example let's say you have an e commerce site, right? Let's say you have an e commerce site and look at your top 20 products, right? And figure out which of those product pages get the most time on page, right? If one page like averages eight minutes, people are devouring the content on that page, you know, versus everything else that say the average was a minute, right? So just look, look for things that are, you know, that jump out at you as being different 
and that's where some of the opportunities are. It's really the low hanging fruit way of looking at your analytics. That that wait, I'm I'm writing that down. Wait, we're told we can't <laughs> move hand fast. So wait, so e-commerce. No, this is this is huge. This is my brain's tingling. So no, so on if you have an e-commerce site, you want to take a look at your top twenty products product pages and now we say top 20 so is it for visits or for sales you want to go to your top 20 pages with the most sales that you get you, you know it's kind of a custom journey every time you go in there um it's good to sort of plan out what you're looking for first before you go in okay um you know if, if you have decent sales and you're selling you know dozens or hundreds of each item every month mm-hmm. then you, you know you can rank that way but if you're starting out and you just have a you know a few sales here a few sales there the number of sold isn't going to tell you much, so I'd probably go by visit. Got it. Okay, good. Thank you. That's great differentiation. And then out of those, you take a look at what, which pages people are having the most time on the page because people have to give you their time before they'll give you their money. And then you look at what those pages have and try to emulate that on all the other pages that you've got. Exactly. And time on pages is one of those metrics, right? So for e-commerce, another great one, obviously, is e-commerce conversion rate. Right, so if you, I actually have a sample report right in front of me here. So I'm looking at like a top 15 products here, um, listed by number. What did I have this listed by? Uh, listed by transactions, right? Mm-hmm. So the average e-commerce conversion rate on my report here, this is one of my clients, is 1.12 percent. Right. However, on this page, I have two products. One is converting at 6.74. One is converting at 10.61. Right. So. There's gold on those pages. So something on those pages is making people buy like crazy. Right. right. So I need to go in and figure out what it is. And sometimes it's sometimes it's something really simple. You might go in and go, oh, my gosh, like palm to forehead, those pages have a video on them. Right. And the other ones don't. Right? So you're just – you're like it's like being a detective. you got to look at these little – these nuances that make certain pages or certain um, – Certain elements stand out in your analytics report, and then go go hunting, hunting for clues. And this stuff is easy. I mean, this is easy. This is so easy. There's no voodoo. There's no magic. There's no Rubik's cube. You got to figure out. Uh, you know, you don't have the two doors with two different locks, and the guy's got to put their keys in and turn them at the same time. Like this is just really simple stuff. But it's 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 that whole common sense. It's not common. It it's the whole you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean. I love I love it, Todd, because it's just it's it's just paying attention. It's that's what it is. It's paying yep. attention and, and it's putting blinders. It's putting blinders on. And this was to what we were talking about earlier. Like my my mistake that wasted me years and years and years of marketing. Just like I don't even know what to call it. Just marketing like waste was that I couldn't. I didn't put my blinders on to enough things. Right, and that's the thing that people call it analytics. They're like there's so much stuff I need to understand every row. You don't. Just look for the few critical things that jump out as outliers and then go find out what's special or harmful about those pages and fix it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Todd, that's yeah, that's so great. that's so that's the quality no, sorry, that's the quantitative thing. So you got your analytics and your heat maps. Then to re- this is where I really love is now you know what people are doing, right? So you know what pages they're exiting from, what pages they're spending the most time on, what pages they're actually buying a product on it, right? But you don't know why. And a lot of people stop short and they just figure out what. And like I said, then they make guesses. They guess, well, if people are leaving this page, you know, five times on another page, it's because of this, like the color's wrong or the copy is awful or, you know, it doesn't have enough content on it. But you don't know. It's just assumptions. Um so when you get qualitative is when you figure out why, right? So mm-hmm. there's a couple ways I recommend getting qualitative data. I'll give you three today. One is without a doubt, the best thing you can do, you don't even have to spend much, you don't have to spend any money on it, actually, is do usability testing on your site. For some reason, people are really against it. <laughs> I don't know why. People have such a block to it. And by usability testing, I mean this. Grab someone you know preferably who's not very familiar with your site or your product, sit them down at a computer and give them a goal of something to do on your site. Don't give them a path. Just say, sit down on my site and schedule an appointment. Or sit down on my site and buy something that looks interesting to you. 
and just watch what they do. And as they go through the site, ask them to speak all their thoughts out loud, right, and record this. You're going to want to record it because you're going to want to review it. Um, you're also going to want to use the screen capture tool so you can capture what happened, right? So this is a free way to do it. There's some tools online that you can do this about 50 bucks a person. Um, but you can do it for free, literally just bring someone over, sit them down on a chair and watch them do this. And if you run three or four or five people through your site, stuff is going to come out that you that will absolutely radically change your business um, that you never thought of because you're so familiar with what you do, you forget some of the problems that people have understanding it or learning about your site or navigating. Um, so that's, that's like my number one tip to get started. Yeah. And it's shocking how many people will just ignore this and they'll just, I don't, I don't even know why. Daryl, maybe you have some thoughts on why people, why so few people do this. Cause I guarantee you nine out of 10 people listening to this call will say, Oh, that's really neat. And then they'll back burner it and not do it. Well, if you're that one out of 10 who does it, it'll make a dramatic improvement to your business. I guarantee it. I, I'm going to guarantee it too, because it's just about getting in touch with your customers. And I think a lot of it is because entrepreneurs are very independent people. So, we, yeah. you know, we're very driven. So we often leave other people's behind because they aren't as driven as us or they won't do it as well as we want it done. I mean, one of the best tips I ever got from any of my mentors was to, he said, Daryl, you just have to accept that everyone you hire will always be a beta version of you and you just have to accept it and, and, mm-hmm. and, and deal with it and just go into it knowing that because otherwise that's where we have the entrepreneurs that want to do everything themselves. Right. And it's because, and that's their, that's always been my, that's one of my bottlenecks is figuring out that, Oh, I actually need a team. So, um, as far as why people do it, I think it's because there's that, it almost feels like maybe you're relying on others or I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's just, that's such, a, sorry, go ahead. No, that's a neat perspective. I mean, I think there probably is some truth to that. I also think sometimes in marketing, um, the simplest stuff works really well and people want to do the really complicated fancy stuff instead. Mm, Yes. Like they want to build this big giant campaign and all this, you know, marketing automation, which is great, but they skip over the basics. And the basic thing I'm just telling you with this usability testing is sit someone down, have them go through your site, see what they can't do properly and fix it. Yeah. Like it's really basic, right? Yeah. So, so that would be the first thing is usability testing. Um, and then the second thing would be serve, if you have a list, right, you, you kind of have to have a list to do this of customers already, but survey your customers and ask them questions. Uh, I have a very long survey that I put people through and I usually do it with a, like a, some sort of contest or giveaway right, to get people to do it because it takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes to fill out the survey. Um, but ask them questions. Ask them why they chose you over a competitor. Or another question I really like, a lot of these questions um, came from conversion rate experts who are literally the top dogs of the world at doing conversion optimization. They're just phenomenally successful and brilliant people, and I learned so much from them. Um, But another question might be, um, what was it that nearly prevented you from purchasing from us? Mm. There's some kind of neuro-linguistic programming in that question too, right? What was it that nearly prevented you from making a purchase from us? And you dig out, you dig stuff out of people that it's like an emotional reason, you know, and that's where the gold might start coming out. They might say, I didn't know how long you've been in business. I didn't know if I could trust your company. Right. And if someone says that, bam, now you have a really compelling reason to run a split test where you put on the top of your page in business since 2004. Right. Served over 400,000 happy customers, something like that, right? Um, So asking questions in a survey and giving people – a big mistake people make with surveys is they ask multiple choice questions. And, again, then you're you're four feet in answers. And it gives you – you know, it gives you – it's better than nothing, but it's far better to ask someone an open-ended question because sometimes the answers will be so out of left field to me you never thought of. That's the real magic that could, that could change your business. Yeah, and that's huge. I wrote that down. That's why I was quiet because I, I, you're right. It's not even like the NLP. It's Well, I guess it is, but it just gets to the heart of the matter. Asking your customers, for what reason did you nearly not purchase from me? I think that's, that's, yep. that's, that's a brilliant question. That's such a good – it gave me chills. Because it's, it's great, right? Because – 
the problem is you can't ask, like if someone comes to your website and they leave, you, you lost them. You can't ask them, why did you leave? Except for this one thing I'm going to tell you next. <laughs> but generally speaking, when they're gone, they're gone, right? So the, the best way to find out why they left is to ask the people that you were able to keep, but they almost left for the same reason. Yeah. Now, here's here's a little voodoo trick, which is another thing that's really simple, and most people listening to this are going to go, oh, yeah, I've seen those, um, but very few people do. Let's go back to let's go back to my e-commerce report idea, right? And let's say you look at your top 20 products, and one page is abysmal, look at conversion rate, like almost zero, right? Okay. But it has a lot of traffic. When that traffic gets to your site, you've probably seen those little pop-ups that come out of the bottom of the screen. Right. Um, one of the tools is Qualero. Actually, you can do that in Hotjar too. Just a little tiny pop-up that right when you're about to leave the frame, a little pop-up comes up, and it'll ask a really simple question like, hey there, if you didn't buy today, can you tell us why not? Right? Mm. And it's so simple, it seems like it's not worth your time. And a lot of people, when I say this, they're like, oh, well, I never fill those out, so no one's going to fill them out. <laughs> You know, the, the 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 percentage of people that don't out is a, is very very low. They're correct, but let's let's say it's one out of a hundred people, right? Oh yeah. And you get a thousand and you get a thousand people to your site. You just got ten answers of exactly why someone was leaving that page without buying. Yep. yep. That is amazing information. And then all you have to do is look for similarities in those answers and fix the problem that they're talking about. Yeah. Right. So like, I didn't know, I have a lot of experience in automotive. So a lot of times the questions are, I didn't know if that would fit my car. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, we need some more information on that page that explains that. Um, yeah. In, how, in how clear detail. Yeah. 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 I had a client, I, I'm working with a lot of automotive dealers right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Stream companies has, I don't know, hundreds, but over a hundred auto dealerships, uh, this client. And I'm getting some huge wins in that industry because there's actually not a lot of conversion optimization that's, that's happening in that industry. Um, so it's very exciting. But one of the things that came up on our site the other day was we had that pop-up come up and multiple people said, I can't find what I need. I speak Spanish. Right? And they wow. had, like, some, some sites Google Translate on, this one didn't. Right? And I didn't even think of it. No, like, you would never think of we, it. You never, no. never come from your own cultural like lens and imagine what life would be like to be perhaps like because the Latin Latin market is a huge market, but you would never huge. think of that. Never think of that. Isn't that crazy? And that goes back to what I was talking about about assumptions, right? You think like, well, I have twenty years experience in marketing. I can look at this page and tell you what's wrong with it and fix it, right? What, you're not going to pull that out and just go. Hey, people are here that speak Spanish, right? There is a report that you can do analytics that'll kind of guess the language of your visitors, but it's, I don't think it's very good. And without asking them, that probably just wouldn't have come up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the that's the reason you have to find out why. And let's let's assume just kind of crazy scenario. Let's say that seventy percent of the people coming to that page spoke Spanish. Right, as their native language. Yep. You would never, ever, ever know unless you ask them. Yeah. And uh, to your point, like, yeah, a lot of people might not be filling that question out, but it's it's just like why scarce things are precious because the the, the impact that that can have. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I love you only that. Need, you only need one answer. Like one answer, if you just take that one person's answer, they could be telling you why you've lost the, the other hundred people. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. And here's another thing about conversion that I just want to point out because a lot of people, I think they know this logically, but it, but it sometimes kind of uh, doesn't resonate where it should. Let's say I have an e-commerce site, right? I mean, when people say, what's your conversion rate, that's kind of a subjective number because there's a lot of ways to measure that depending on Quality the page or formal or whatever. But let's just say you have an e-commerce store and your conversion rate is 1%, right? That's not unheard of at all, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had 100 people in your physical store, 100 potential customers, and your life depended on getting one more person to fall in love with your company, 
know that you have a great product, believe what you're saying, absolutely resonate with your guarantee, and buy from you. Right? If you had that opportunity, you could you you could probably do it. Right? If you can find a way to do that on your site, get one more person out of a hundred to buy, you just doubled your business. Literally doubled your business. Uh-huh. And people don't realize, like, oh, I have to double my sales. Like, it's one percent. Yeah. One. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah. So when you start making changes and offering bold guarantees and you know, that's, that's a whole other topic I could go into, like crazy. I think I don't think people make enough bold guarantees when their product is on their site mm-hmm. because so few people ever return something or take you up on your guarantee, and it's such an easy way. I mean, risk reversal, I don't know if, um, uh, if Jay Abraham was like the founder of that, but he certainly was a big proponent of it. And risk reversal is one of the most powerful things you can do. Take all the risk off the customer and put it onto you, and you – but chances are you'll see a pretty big impact on your sales. That's awesome. That's awesome. Todd, you're dropping bombs on us today, man. This is this is huge. I, I think those two are just – those two questions, very simple, very, very powerful, asking customers what reason did you nearly not purchase from us? And then the, the exit poll, if you didn't buy today, can you tell us why not? Um, yeah, and just and, and again, this isn't this is easy stuff. Get someone, get a teenage cousin, get a friend, grab someone at a coffee shop, be like, "Hey, can you just sit down on my site and try to subscribe? Can you just sit down on my site and buy this thing and just tell me what you're thinking as you do it?" Like it's just such yeah. a simple simple test, simple things, huge impact. Huge impact. Night and day, yeah. And, and depending on how many, like how long you keep a customer for, like because you're saying like one percent could double their business. Depending on the type of business they have, say for example, you sell pool maintenance packages, and it's a monthly subscription thing. I mean, if that means you could, like, by increasing your subscriber base, even just ten percent, will have a profound impact on your income because of how it's going to keep growing if these people just stay on and never, you know what I mean, and hardly ever fall off. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's easy to help people have big wins when they don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and that goes back to another reason I love the conversion optimization because I've run I've run tests, Daryl, where I literally change. I'm not even kidding. I have run a test on a menu bar where I changed one word, and it was worth eight million dollars in revenue for the for the year for that client. Yeah, it's like it's insane. So it's so fun when you and that's. You know, with bigger clients, it's easier to get bigger wins, obviously. Um, but when you, but I never, again, I never in a million years would have known to change that if I didn't do the research and the polling, the heat maps, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So. yeah in fact, it's funny we're talking about one word. There's a story. This is old offline marketing, but story of one word that doubled sales for um, for uh, for a company, and it was their shampoo product. And they put the word "repeat" on the directions. Rinse. And repeat. <laughs> And by putting that That's rinse and repeat, fantastic. people used more product and bought more product because they were repeating. I love that. Um, that is great. Isn't it? Rinse. I haven't heard that one. I love that, though. Because apparently the bottles always used to just say rinse. <laughs> and then rinse, repeat. Just rinse, just rinse. Rinse and repeat. Uh, anyway, so. That's brilliant. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, man, um, I'm loving this. You've given some amazing actionable tips. Um, I almost feel like. Like I don't, I don't even know. My head is blown, and right now I just want to go and set up that question for all my customers. That's where I'm oh, at right oh, now. Let me I'm tell like, well, wait, before we go on, if, if for the usability testing, there's a lot of hurdles to that because people are like, oh, I don't have the time, and I don't know what to say, and I don't, you know, I got to get a camera, and like, if you don't want to do that, take 150 bucks, go to usertesting.com, and you can hire people. It will literally be done in three hours. They have like hundreds of thousands or millions of people online. You can pick your demographics. You can pick your market. Um, and then if you want to know the exact questions to ask, uh, kind of a simple framework, is uh, look up Steve Krug, K-R-U-G, usability test. Uh, you can find it all over the Internet. Steve Krug has a fantastic book called Don't Make Me Think. Um, I think he also has another one, uh, Rocket Rocket Surgery, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um so, but don't make me think. It's a great book on um, usability design, user experience design. Okay, 
Got it. All right. So that's awesome. So we have usertesting.com. You said about 150 bucks. And then to get your outline, look up Steve Krug, K-R-U-G, usability test. Yeah, those are huge. Yep. Those are so huge. So what do you feel are some of the habits that you've got in your what you do on a regular basis with clients and just in your own marketing that have really helped you have the big wins and successes that you've had? Uh, you know, you can probably tell from this call, I'm, I get pretty animated and wild when I'm talking about stuff, and I'm like entrepreneurial ADD, and I'm bouncing all over the place. So I, if I don't create structure for myself, I bounce back and forth between a million things all day long. I don't get anything done. Right? So I'm fanatical about, especially how I start my day, and I use, I use a checklist every day. So I use a, a software called Trello. Do you use Trello? No, but I know Trello. It's just a project management oh. software, right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's kind of like a scrum board. And I'm very visual, so I like having things that are like boards and cards, and you can literally move a card from one to the next. And anyway, the, every morning I have a, it's like a 10 part checklist that I go through, and it's down to the tiniest little details. It's like, uh, it's like get my coffee and snack prepared, like get my water, turn on my timer. Uh, like I use a timer when I'm working too. I think that's a great, a great mm-hmm. tip for people. Oh yeah. Like I'll set a, either a 60 or 90 minute time or whatever I'm working on. Up, uh, and it helps me focus and I turn off my phone and my everything else while I'm doing that. So, um, but in the morning I take my 10 step checklist and I force myself to go through that. And it starts off the day in a really organized fashion. And part of that checklist is looking at what happened yesterday and seeing if there's anything left over and bringing that forward, right? And then another part of the checklist is actually putting that on the calendar. So there's a, there's a lot of debate about checklists out there. Um, I find that they're really helpful to organize and keep me focused for short periods of time. And then I take like the two or three most important activities and I'll block out those 60 or 90 minute chunks on my calendar. And then I fanatically follow my calendar throughout the day. Actually I do, I do something very, very similar um, to what you just said. Like um, as far as I, my day's blocked out in 30, like everything's a 30 minute block and then it's a fight to stay on schedule all day. Um, And it's about just trying to be realistic. So write down three goals for the day and then try to organize them. So you're working on them uh, first in your day, not at the end of the day. And then like you said, like block it out. And then if something's going to be 30 minutes, I give it 30 minutes. It's going to be an hour. And then I'll, I'll try to edit. I use a Google doc and with my assistant. So we put my schedule in there and then I try to edit it as the day goes on. So it reflects how the day really went. So I can try to learn and see where, you know, where I'm losing productivity in that, but it's huge. What you said about having starting your day with a checklist. First of all, checklists are huge. There's a book called checklist manifesto. And I mean, everyone, when you get in a plane pilot, They've flown hundreds of times. They still go through their checklist. Yeah. A surgeon uses a checklist. I wouldn't want anyone operating me on my body, like open heart surgery, without a clear checklist of what they need to do at the beginning and end of my open heart surgery. So I think at the highest levels, anytime that you have a professional that's doing important work and there's huge risks uh, involved, they almost always have a checklist. So to not use a checklist is foolish and it's going against what's been proven and tested for years and years and years. There, people can debate about whatever they want, but when something fucking works, it just works. So checklists are, are them. Like, <laughs> yeah. can, like it's great. You can try I, and tell me this. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I totally agree. I mean, back like that in terms of my, my start of my day, I have my own checklist. And then since most of my marketing involves split testing, I have a I have a crazy checklist for every test that I run. Now you don't need to do this if you have a smaller business and you know you you're just a few pages and you know you're kind of a, a one man show or a small team. You can kind of fudge it and get some tests up, and it's much better to get something launched than to delay it in right. in search of perfection. But at the same time, I work on some enterprise level clients, and like you, like a surgeon, I cannot miss anything. I can't miss setting up a certain event in analytics, or I can't miss making sure that the certain variations have been QA'd on mobile and desktop and various browsers. Like there's things you cannot miss or you can mm-hmm. cause massive, massive problems yep. um, and literally lose clients over it. So I have a, I think my checklist right now is 34, 34 checkpoints, right? That's um, and it just, it'll take a test all the way from, from beginning, before the beginning, right before, before it's even an idea, into 
creating the test and the software, QAing it, launching it, notifying the right people, and then coming back and measuring it both in the split test tool and analytics so it's ready for reporting. Mm. So let me ask you about this. So I've got split test set up. One of the mistakes that I see people always making when they do try to test things is they want to test, say, for example, they've got two order forms they want to test, and they've got an offer, but they're mailing the offer out to 1,000 people. Like, that's the email list size. Is that something yep. that's worth split testing when you're only sending out 1,000 emails and maybe going to get 100 clicks? Um, it's, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, you're at that point, you're definitely going to want to be testing, you're going to want to be measuring your micro-conversions as opposed to your macro-conversions, right? So your macro-conversion might actually be a sale, right? But if you have a 1,000 people on your list, only 100 people click, and you have two people buy on one version versus one person buys on the other, you you cannot reliably say that the conversion rate is double for that one, right? right. You have to reach statistical significance. So instead of instead of actually completing the purchase, I might measure conversions as like a click for more info button instead, mm. right? So you can create your product page, version A, version B, and the, the call to action would say like order details, mm-hmm. something like that. You can kind of interrupt the flow. It's kind of a weird philosophy of doing it. But if you know your sales conversions are going to be so, so minimal, you're not going to be able to measure uh, an effective mm-hmm. result. That's, that's one way to do it. And then you can measure, you know, if 42 people clicked version B and 22 clicked version A, now you got something. Like, at least you know, like, that's a pretty big difference, right? right. So you should be able to, to use that as a stepping stone to get better conversions, even with a small amount of traffic or small amount of customers. You should I, be able to tell. I, I love that. That's the best answer I've ever heard on how to – because I've, I've had – I've obviously I've been – you know. I, I, I ask a lot of people pointed questions and I've, I've never really had any conversion experts be able to break it down like that, which I think is brilliant. If you can't track sales, then track one step before that, you know, the first step yeah. you can and use that as the benchmark. Cause at least you're still getting more people to the next step. And, you know, and so you do that, but almost always you want to track all the way to the sale because that can get you in trouble. Because I know personally from tests that we did, we've done where, um, you know, on a funnel, just a basic opt-in register webinar, a webinar funnel, um, you know, different, different opt-in page got 25% more opt-ins, but half as many people bought when they went through that yeah. one landing page versus another, which is the most peculiar thing because it's the same same email, same webinar, same offer, but for whatever reason, this landing page, right, versus the second landing page got got more people but less buyers. Yeah, and that's why I say that last piece of advice with a, with a word of caution. Right. <laughs> you know? no, no, for it, sure. it can be helpful, but, I mean, yes, you're 100% right. You really want to track to the sale if possible because at the end of the day, that's really – that's how your business is going to grow, right? Right. But you got to um, do what you can do, right? And you're better to follow data, right? Yep. That, and Because there, maybe there might have been a big win. Like, that's the other thing. I mean, you could play devil's advocate all day on this. Maybe there would have been a bigger win if we started to figure out why the people – we got more people registering, but why half as many bought. Maybe we get that one answer we were talking about, you know, if you didn't buy today, yep. can you tell us why? And then we would, you know, and so there could have been a huge, that that might have been one of the things. You know, the other, opt, the, the, the better conversion opt-in page, I don't know for whatever reason, it, you know, it was an easier commitment, you know, from, the, from a micro-commitment standpoint or yada, yada, yada. So, um, no, I agree. So, Todd... Let me ask you a couple of things now. So what are you working on now that's got you super jazzed, super excited? What's really kind of filling your life full of joy? So, well, that's, oh, that's kind of two questions, right? So super jazzed, super excited. I have, I have taken a really interesting turn in my life where I've actually gone away from having my own business into working with an agency, which was a really odd step for me because I, I had an e-commerce business that I – that I told you about. I started with the light bulb years and years ago, and I built that to a seven-figure business, and I sold it a few years ago. And I kind of dabbled in consulting, and uh, then I worked for conversion rate experts. And I, there was two reasons that I went back to working for a company. One, I had my second kid, which was amazing, but it meant that working at home was just not the best place to be, right? Mm-hmm. And two, um, I've 
you actually pointed it out very well. You said there's three people you need in the business, right? You need a finance person, you need a marketing person, you need a product person. I am pretty much only the marketing person, right? And at this point in my career, like, I don't even want to hire those other people. Like, I want someone to just take all that off my plate so I can do what I love. And what I love is conversion and getting leverage in people's business, right? So I looked around for companies, and this is kind of an interesting uh, side topic. Well, I started looking around for the first job I'd had in like a decade, right? So I was like, well, this is interesting. I'll do this kind of as an experiment. How, how can I look for a job differently than everybody else to get better results, right? And what I did is I, I looked for two things. I started researching companies. I wasn't even looking on job boards. I was just looking for the company because I knew if I found the right company and I went to them with a proposal of what I could do for their clients, they would hire me. So I, did, I had two criteria. One is the company had to be based on core values, right? I'm fanatical about leadership and purpose-driven business owners, right? It's something I've done a lot of myself, and I've coached other people on that. So I really wanted to find a company that was based on core values. And then, two, I wanted to find a company that was very successful and that was growing. So I live in Philadelphia right now. Mm-hmm. I looked around, and I found about a half a dozen companies that fit the bill. And stream companies... The two founders are fantastic guys. The company's been growing like crazy. It's been on the Inc. 500, 5,000 list for nine years in a row, which is really, like, that's a, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And when I dug up that data, I reached out to them, and I came in, and I just I wanted to learn a little bit more about the company, and I noticed they didn't have a conversion department. So I went in, and, I mean, we literally had a two-hour conversation, and by the end of the day, they had a offered me a job, told me I could be a director of a new department and would support me in whatever I wanted to do. And what he really, what he said that really sold me, he said this, I know you're very entrepreneurial. I want you to build your business. It just happens to be under my roof. Mm. I was like, dude, you just, you just yeah. converted me. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. Right? Yeah. So, so that was really neat. And I'm learning a lot from that. So on a, so on a business side, that's exciting for me. And I'm building a department and hiring people, and um, it's really neat because they've already got you know hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of clients. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding, you know, some are some are much bigger enterprise level guys, some are uh, smaller, kind of mom and pop like uh, restaurants and smaller businesses. So it's a really good variety, and that's kind of fueling my whole marketing and business passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's so awesome. Yeah. Cause it sounds like a great little ecosystem for you. Just come in and flex the muscles that you want, you know, do, do the work that you love and then just leave and be with your family at the end of the day. So that's, that's awesome. No, I love it. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely commendable. I think I can say. Yeah. So, thanks. Well, because owning a business is not for everyone. Just because you have an entrepreneurial spirit doesn't mean you need to own your own business. Sometimes the best ad value add you can have, just like you found, you found a way to build your own business inside someone else's. And so you've got a really great foundation to be on. You've got an amazing support network and you already bring a ton of value. So it's, it's really is a win, win, win for everyone involved. And the sum is often greater than the, than the, was it the, the, the sum? How you, what's sum the, is greater than the parts. Right. Yeah. Like I said, okay. Yeah. The sum is greater than the than the parts. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it also points out a neat, you know, a neat. If you do have experience and you can bring value, like you said, Daryl, like you can kind of call the shots a little bit. You can you can find a company that's a good fit for you, and you can go to them and say, "Here's what I bring to the table. Here's what I want out of it." Mm-hmm. Right. And if it, if you keep if that is win win win, if the clients win and the company wins and you win, a smart person is going to say yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. That, I feel a little fortunate to have found that. It's it's a pretty neat that's neat awesome. thing. Good for you, man. And then outside of that, you you kind of lit me up when you said what's uh, what's passionate. What do you what are you kind of lit up about right now? So since I I also just made this cross-country move from Los Angeles to Philadelphia uh, because of the second kid, because we want to be closer to family. This is the first time my whole life I've been completely transported to a new, not only a new city, a new state. I had never lived on the East Coast. So I lost a lot of my face-to-face network that was in Los Angeles. I was there for 15 years, you know, and I would do a lot of really interesting events and get-togethers. And um, I've always wanted to do... 
a mastermind, like actually put together, like really focused mastermind. I had a group in Los Angeles called the Los Angeles Marketing Professionals. Mm-hmm. That was more of a meetup group and a business group, and that was about 500 people. But when I came here, I realized I had limited time because I'm very busy with work and I'm very busy with family, but I still wanted kind of that interaction, and I didn't want to completely cross over and muddy the waters with my, my day job, mm-hmm. right? So I decided to start a smaller group, and I've literally just done my first dinner. It's called Luminary Dinners, um, and that word luminary really resonates with me. And it's actually, you mentioned it in my bio. It's like a luminary is someone who inspires or influences others. And I feel really lucky, like the knowledge I have, I think if people listen to it, can really make a difference in their life. So part of what I like to do is, is teach people. And I like other people that have that as you know, part of their purpose and their mission. So this Luminary Dinners um, is a group I'm just putting together of really interesting people in the area. And um, my plan is to do one or two get-togethers a month and then kind of wrap that into a bigger group and maybe start doing some some weekend, um, I don't know if a seminar is the right word, but um, something, some sort of group session where we focus on for me, kind of the four areas that I think most people need to work on, and that's finance, purpose, um, health, and what am I missing here? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, too. <laughs> you think I'm really clear on my idea. No, I just got so many ideas in my head right now. Okay, so finance, relationships, health, and uh, purpose, right? Mm. So I think those four things, like as an entrepreneur – in my own experience, sometimes I have one or two of those really dialed in. They're never all four where I want them to be, right? right? Like, I, you know, everyone's out of whack from time to time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people, when you hit a certain level of, like, financial success, people go, oh, everything else must be working for you. And right. it's not, inevitably, <laughs> right. right? Or if you hit a, if you have just, like, an amazing relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend or whoever, like people think, oh, wow, their whole life must be perfect because that's in alignment. And it's not, and no one is ever totally balanced. So this this group I'm putting together is people who have really mastered one or two or maybe even three of those areas and want to contribute to others who maybe are suffering in one of those areas. Mm-hmm. So it's part business and part, you know, finance, but, um, but the real focus is in getting balance in your life and finding a way to help other people do the same. Which is awesome because we're social creatures and social networks of how we survived for so long. Um, and that's, yeah. And so I think that creating that network, again, being entrepreneurs and business professionals, we often, like, our happiest times is when we're, like, locked away like mad scientists able to cackle and work on our projects, right? Um, and so I think that bringing people together so they can support each other, I think that's extremely, extremely valuable. Um, and obviously, you've got a ton of value to give. So I think it's just, a, again, it's a win-win-win for everyone involved. Todd, if anyone wants to reach out with to you, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch? Um, easiest is probably just through my LinkedIn profile. I, I'm totally open there. It's the easy way to contact me without having to remember an email that might, you know, might mm-hmm. change or get spammed or whatever. So it's just Todd Staples. I think it's LinkedIn slash T Staples. Um, and you can also, if anyone is interested, if this whole conversion thing is kind of uh, over their head or you just want some help on it, I do free, like, a conversion assessment. And you can check that out at the Stream Companies website. So that's streamcompanies.com slash CRO for conversion rate optimization. And I'll do, like, a 30-minute analysis. I'll look at your analytics. I'll talk to you about your site. And if it's like, you'll get actionable insight, like basically the things we talked about today, mm. looking for outliers, I'll point out some great things that you can try to grab as low hanging fruit. And then if you want more detailed help, then, you know, we can certainly do that. We have an agency of 120 people ready to rock and roll. So, um, that's awesome. That's awesome. So it's Todd, T-O-D-D-D, Staples, S-T-A-P-L-E-S, if you want to find him on LinkedIn. And if you want to look up the website, it was Steam Companies? Stream. 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 Sorry, sorry. com. That's right. Okay, so streamcompanies.com slash C-R-O. Got it. Got it. Todd, 
thank you so much for coming today. You've given some great information. This is definitely a call people are going to want to listen to at least at least twice, um, just to get some of those nuggets down. And again, for everyone, the stuff that we've talked about, like talking with your customers, the three people you need in your business, the the, the simple tests, the usability tests, the questions that to ask, all this stuff can have a huge, profound impact on your business. And especially, I like the the how we started the call, looking at the theory, like at the constraints of the bottlenecks. Um, ton of value, ton of great stuff. I've got like a page and a half of notes. So Todd, just thank you for coming and just for giving openly and just, just contributing to the abundance and helping me on my mission, help create 200 new multi multi-millionaire business owners. So thank you so much for your time. I've always appreciated it. I'm a guest. My, my pleasure, dear. I had a, I had a great time. <laughs> it's always fun when you kind of get in flow here and you know, people are listening and learning and taking action, that's where I am at my best, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, and there's, I already know that you're going to help a ton of people because people forget, I mean, uh, this is, I know this is the end of the call, but I feel like we need to come up with a better term for conversion rate optimization because, like, when you say yeah. that, people don't necessarily know what it can do for their business, but it's, like, it's, it, it, if your conversion rate, if you're going door to door and your conversion rate is like 10%, that means you're going to make one sale for every 10 people you talk to. But if you could just get two sales, you've doubled your business. Like it's, you know, and it's, yeah. just, it's, it's small it's amazing. and it's these little hinges that swing these massive doors. And so often we say conversion rate optimization to people. They're like, Oh, that's like, it's, you know, it's like an academic term they don't get, but it's just so, it's so powerful, so effective. So I just appreciate you coming and giving away these tools to people and, and then even offering a half hour of your time to those that need some help with it. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and, and literally take me up on it. People people listening because, you know, I, I've worked with companies doing $10 billion a year and I work with a lot of companies that have a $2,000 a month marketing budget. Like, you don't have to be these giants to get a lot of results from it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a different type of engagement, stuff like that. But do the freebie. Get on there and, and get on the call with me for half an hour, and I'll look at your business, and you'll walk away with some great ideas. That's awesome. That's awesome. Todd, thank you so much, my friend. You got it, Daryl. So nice to hear from you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, you're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.